This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Deacon Eric Sewell. I'm from St. Sebastian's Church in Sturdivant, Wisconsin, and St. Lucie's Church in Racine, Wisconsin. My guest today is Veronica Heiser. She is from St. Paul the Apostle in Racine, Wisconsin. Today we're going to talk about Divine Mercy, especially the Feast of Divine Mercy, that is the Sunday after Easter. But before we do that, let us take a moment and begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come here. We ask that you pour out your infinite amount of graces that you promised us from this Feast of Divine Mercy. Pour it into our hearts. Give us wisdom and faith and contrite hearts that turn away from our sins and failings and move towards you and the grace and the light that Jesus desired for us as he walked the way of the cross. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, my name is Deacon Eric, and I want to talk a little bit about divine mercy today. And I want to start with my story. You know, I've been a an enormous fan of Divine Mercy for these many years. Uh, somewhere in the 1990s, I found out about it long before Sister Faustina was canonized. For the past, I would guess, maybe even 20 years, I've always been a part of organizing uh, celebrations on the Feast of Divine Mercy, and it's been a life-changing experience. But along the way, somewhere in the 1990s, I introduced my, my father to Divine Mercy. And, you know, growing up as, as a family, we were kind of, yeah, we went to church sometimes. Sometimes we didn't go. It was important, but it wasn't always that important. And my dad just took to this like a duck to water. I gave him the diary. He's the only person I know that has read the diary of Divine Mercy through twice. You know, as you get older, you're always going to medical appointments. And he'd always take this leather-bound one and sit there while you're waiting and, and read all of it. And he says, he says, Eric, oftentimes I can only read one page. It's so deep and so rich. And he was, in his later life, he was a woodcarver. So two of the carvings that he did were these large wood plaques of divine mercy. One I have in my den. The other one is in the entranceway of St. Charles Parish in Burlington, Wisconsin, where he was from. So it has had a great and powerful effect on my life. You know, God always gives us infinitely more in return than we ever invest in him and his will. So with that, I want to have Veronica talk a little bit about her life and divine mercy. Thank you, Eric. Well, as a child, I attended St. Paul's until my I was about nine years old, and then my family left the church. So I was away from the church for about 23 years. And during that time, uh, I went through a lot of suffering and um, hardship and had turned to drugs and alcohol. And God was just relentless in his pursuit of getting me back to the Catholic Church. And I ended up finding a Bible in an abandoned house. And as I opened up the pages of scripture and I read it, I seen God's great heart and great love. I returned back to the Catholic Church where I found the presence of God at the altars and in the sacrament of confession. So for my very first um, confession, 
I had 23 years worth of sin to confess, and I was very nervous about it. So as I get in my car to go to the confession, I'm, I'm ready to just turn around and go back in the house, and I'm, I don't need to do this. And um, suddenly the song Prodigal Child by us, the Sidewalk Prophets comes on, come running like a prodigal. Mm -hmm. And I just took it as a sign from God that I really need to go to this confession. Do not turn around and run away, but come running home like the prodigal child. So I made it to the church for the confession. And as I'm standing in line, once again, I feel like I need to turn around and leave. And I look to my left and I see this huge image of divine mercy, of Jesus standing there next to me with these rays of mercy. And I thought, no, I need to stay here. And just looking at that picture, it really comforted me. So my very first confession didn't go as well as I thought. I got in there and I said two things. That was all that came to my mind. And I, and I realized that um, I needed to give it another go. So mm -hmm. I uh, went home and I prayed with the Holy Spirit and made out a list. There you go. So the next time I go to confession, it's now Lent, and this is during the great year of mercy, the Jubilee year of mercy. And I go to the communal penance, and here I have my long list of sins that have happened over the last 23 years. And as I went into confession, I, as I began to read all these sins, I just, I fell to my knees and complete contrition, just sobbing over all the ways, all the things I have done over these years and the ways this has hurt the Lord. And um, as the priest reached out and put his hand upon my head and gave me that absolution, I just felt the most intense peace and the love of God as his mercy just poured over me. And though my eyes had seen the priest before me, my heart and my soul, I felt that it was God in that room putting his hand upon me and forgiving me for all of those sins. And what year did that happen? The Jubilee Year of Mercy. <laughs> Strange how all these things tie together and how intimate confession and repentance is a part of this feast day. So with that, I want to take a couple minutes for those who maybe really don't understand or are knowledgeable about the Feast of Divine Mercy, its, its history and, and what it is about. So the Feast of Divine Mercy comes from St. Maria Faustina, who's commonly known as Sister Faustina. In the 1930s uh, in Poland, she was a nun there, and she had many appearances from Jesus, and she became what he called her secretary. And he dictated to her many, many different statements and desires that he had. And why did Jesus do this? And this is very important. Jesus said, I do this because the loss of each soul plunges me into mortal sadness. You always console me when you pray for sinners. And then it's 1397 in the diary of Sister Faustina. So in a sense, Jesus has turned to her and turned to us as faithful Christians, pray for sinners, because each and every one of us who are lost plunges him into what he calls mortal sadness. That's trying to think, what does mortal sadness mean? Well, mortal sadness means if we receive that sadness that he does from each loss, we would die. It's that powerful of an experience. And so he doesn't want to lose any of us. So he gave us several remedies from these different visions. The remedies are the image of divine mercy, the chaplet of divine mercy, and the feast day of divine mercy. And all of these gifts that he has given us 
come from his desire to heal humanity. Now going back to the history of the feast day, so after Sister Faustina died, which was in 1938, just before the invasion of Poland by Germany, she died of tuberculosis at the age of 33. Um, after that, it was kind of an up and down period for several decades for her writings and what she did. Uh, it was popular in Poland. I don't think much of the rest of the world really knew or understand it. In the 1950s, it was actually put in prohibition by the Vatican. The reason they did that was some very bad translations, and some people added things into the writings that weren't there. And so it went through a period uh, of, of being shut down by the Vatican, why it was being studied. It was never condemned. And early in the 1960s, Cardinal Otia, better known as Pope John Paul II, and other bishops and people of Poland began to go back in, retranslate the work, study her life. They would get uh, witness accounts for the people that were still living and slowly but surely started to build a case for her and her writings and the great gift that this is. And of course, the great change was in 1978 when Cardinal Watia became Pope John Paul II. And through the years, he continued to promote it. And in the, in the year 2000, he made uh, Sister Faustina, Saint Fa Maria Faustina. And also by that, he installed her feast day, which is the Sunday after Easter. Um, what does Jesus want us to do with this? Okay. What does he want us to do with the feast day? Um, he wants the soul to go to confession and to receive communion. That's the heart of it. All right. He says the holy communion shall obtain the complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which grace flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. And he later on went on to say, I want to grant a complete pardon of souls that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion that day. Uh, now the church, after it became formal, this is what the church asks for a plenary indulgence. And some of you will make the point, the whole idea is not necessarily about a plenary indulgence, but this is what they said. Go to confession, and you can go 20 days before or 20 days after. Go to communion on that day. Prayers for the Holy Father. Be detached from sin. And do this in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, especially at the Divine Mercy Hour of 3 o'clock. It also asks us to say an Our Father, and the creed, and some kind of faith statement such as, Jesus, I trust in you. For those who are sick or confined in some way, those who might be in the military on a ship, it offers some remedies for them. It asks that they detest sin, offer up their sufferings, and then when they get a chance, when they get an opportunity to have communion and to have confession, in addition to say the Our Father, the creed, and somehow venerate the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very, very powerful gift. It is a gift that is meant to heal each and every one of us, 
and we can do it every single year. There's a little bit of debate between what the church put in and what is in the diary. Veronica, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, um, in the diary, Jesus tells St. Faustina that he will pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of his mercy. So whoever approaches the fount of life on this day will be granted complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. And the requirements of that that Jesus put forth was to go to confession and to receive Holy Communion on the day, the feast day of divine mercy. And through that, they would obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. So when you look at the indulgence, it, it goes through with in accordance to the Holy Catholic Church. But what Jesus put forth was something different. So I believe that you're able to obtain both the indulgence for the church, which you can use for the souls in purgatory, or the um, complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. We're going to take a break right, right now. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what Veronica was talking about. You are listening to WSFI 88.5 FM Spotlights. I am your host, Deacon Eric Sewell, and we are talking about the Feast of Divine Mercy. And we'll be right back. A larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MAT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. This is Father Joseph Mary Wolf from EWTN. Catholic radio is important because you reach people where they are. Often people may be traveling in their cars, they may be at home doing other things, and they can still be growing in their faith. They could be participating in prayers. That we have all of these stories of people who were touched by what they heard on the network. They came into the Catholic faith and many other stories of how people's lives were changed for the better through Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Deacon Eric Sewell from the Racine Sturdivant area, and my guest is Veronica Heiser from St. Paul the Apostle Parish in Racine, and we are talking about the Feast of Divine Mercy. And where we left off before the break, we were talking about uh, the difference between the plenary indulgence that the church has installed and the writings of Sister Faustina. Because uh, with most plenary indulgences, you might be aware, they all require a complete detachment from sins, mortal and venial. That is an enormous 
an enormous fence to get over. I, there's very few people per listening out in this audience maybe that can obtain this. I know in my life, nah, I don't think so. Um, it's such a high bar for us to get over. It takes a lifetime. Uh, but when you read the diary of Sister Faustina, it doesn't ask that. It just asks these requirements. So how do we look at this? How do we um, rationalize this? Well, we have the church, and I have complete trust and faith in the church and its teachings and what it has done with the Feast of Divine Mercy, and so I believe what it says. But on the other hand, Jesus' mercy always surprises us. They say the angels in heaven who've been there for uncountable millenniums are still surprised by Jesus' and God's love and mercy for others. It, it surprises them. So we should have that surprise, that hope, and that deep trust that the Lord will forgive our sins and remove all the punishments we have accumulated on our lives. Hey, Veronica? And um, I believe that uh, the church cannot put limits on God's mercy. And mm -hmm. the Diary of Faustina, he says over and over again, you know, St. Faustina says too, it's unfathomable, the amount of mercy. And Jesus even says in there that we will spend the rest of eternity in heaven contemplating his mercy and great love. So I think that um, it, it, it would be wrong to say that we're able to put some sort of limitation on the mercy that's going to come from God on this given day. Yes, and the myriads of the Immaculate Conceptions who are the biggest promoters of divine mercy, they have a very strong presence in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They staff several of the parishes there. And when you go to their website, and I would guess that Father Michael Gately wrote this, he said, liken it to a second baptism. He says it's not a baptism, but it's like a second baptism in that we're purified. All right, it's kind of like, and when an adult goes into RCIA and they're finally baptized as an adult, all the stuff they've built up is washed away. And that is what this feast is about, washing in all way. And I want people also to think of one other thing. If you've done this in the past, think about doing it for a soul in purgatory. Do you have somebody, a family member, a friend who has passed away, all right, that maybe is there in desperate need of our prayers do this feast for them i believe it will transfer to them and they will be freed from maybe centuries who knows of of this and they were just saved by the great mercy of god at the last second think about those in your life it exasperates me to no end that i can't get everybody in the world excited about this or even just Catholics who go to church every Sunday to get them excited about this. And I started thinking, why does this happen? I mean, I'm all excited about this. And I thought about it. Well, I think there's four things. First of all, we have to recognize that we truly are sinners. That I get angry, upset, lustful, jealous, envious, all these things Deacon Eric has. So I have to recognize, first of all, that I am a sinner. The next thing we have to recognize is that God's judgment is exacting. What did he say? Every word that we utter, we will be judged on. And go along with that, every deed, evil or good, 
we will be judged on in a very exacting way. The other thing is, and this is really forgotten in this day and age, God's punishment can be severe, be it hell, uh, be it purgatory. And we have the tendency in this age to anesthetize our brains and not want to think about that. We think God is all love. He would never do this. But any spiritual reading is going to bring you back to this point. No, hell exists, purgatory exists, and one of the remedies is this Divine Mercy Feast Day. And here's the other thing. Many people who are deeply, deeply in sin, who have walked away from the church, as they get older, maybe they get illness, whatever in their lives, they get these things in their lives, they don't think there's a way back. We have this sense of worrying about hypocrisy, which is really the devil telling us you can't get back. All right, this is one of the avenues. And we need to know this, along with other things, that God is walking us. All right? Veronica mentioned before the prodigal son, the, the, holy, the father stood on the hill looking out constantly, day and night, for his son to come back. He ran down the hill, put on the robe and the, and the gold rings, and as soon as the son started to apologize, he cut him off and killed the fatted calf. That is the God that loves us. And I fear that the worst sin that we can commit is refusing God's mercy. I think that's the sin of Judas. In the end, after he had the great sin, he refused God's mercy and committed suicide. That is our problem. We kind of are the same way, pushing aside, saying, I'm not worthy, I can't do it, I can't get it back. And it does really offend God. The next thing I want to mention, I want to make sure I mentioned this before uh, the end of the show, was the chaplet of Divine Mercy. And I especially want to mention the chaplet of Divine Mercy for something very important. That is the dying. All right? Jesus says in his diary, pray the chaplet of Divine Mercy for the dying. Even the most hardened sinner, even the most hardened sinner can be brought back at the last moment. And he says it's good if you say it by someone's bedside, but even if you're not by their bedside, even if you're hundreds of miles away from somebody you care about who's dying. I teach a class with the, uh, with the deacon candidates up in the Milwaukee Archdiocese called Hospital and Hospice Visits. And I'm talking to the guys, and I say, you know, the church teaches we don't ever have the right to offend someone's conscience and to go against their conscience and their wishes. I said, so they sometimes get hardened in this feeling of being lost, of rejecting the church, not wanting to conform uh, to the moral life, and they're, they're in this position. I said, so what do you guys do then? I said, the church says, all right, respect their conscience, respect their decisions that they have made, and yet you know their destiny. You know they've rejected God. And I says, the answer for that is the chapel of divine mercy. Take the time, sit by their bedside, and maybe even with their family, pray the chapel of the divine mercy for the dying. You may be their last opportunity for salvation. 
Yeah, Veronica? And uh, many times in the diary of St. Faustina, St. Faustina would sit and pray the chaplet of Divine Mercy for the dying. And those souls who did not want her to pray with them, she would sit outside of their room Mm -hmm. and then pray for them. And this is one of the um, greatest acts of spiritual mercy that we can perform especially when we see that a soul has their heart hardened toward God and we know that they are in a state where they're dying. I haven't mentioned so far, but I'm also a chaplain uh, at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Zion, Illinois. And so, uh, yeah, I do see some death and I do see some people dying by us. Uh, Some people show up very sick and uh, coming hundreds of miles away and they come to our place and, uh, yeah, they pass away there. And some are in great grace and some are in complete denial of God. And this is what I do. If I get an opportunity, I pray by their bedside. If not, I go to the chapel. They have a beautiful chapel there. And I pray the chaplet of divine mercy with complete confidence and trust in God's goodness for them. Now, there's one other thing I want to talk about. And it comes from the uh, document that the church has uh, for the Feast of Divine Mercy, and it has many things in it, but it's the, it is the duty of the priest, and that's the words that the document used, the duty of the priest for this feast day. There's a trifle duty that the document uh, puts on them. It's called the Decree Devotional, excuse me, the Decree Devotion of Divine Mercy, the Apostolic Penitentiary, and it says this, The trifle duty of a priest, first of all, is to inform their parishioners. They have the primary duty of making sure their parishioners know about this feast day and knowing its benefits and how to to, uh, engage in it. Next of all, they're asked to, it's their duty to hear confessions on the feast day. And finally, it asks them to lead prayers. So if there's any priests listening out there, and uh, this has not been a part of, of, your, <laughs> of your culture and your church, uh, the church is very clear on this. The, you're supposed to be participating in this, according to the document. And Veronica has some information in the Racine Kenosha area of who is having uh, the Divine Mercy Feast Day this year. Um, So in Kenosha, the Holy Rosary is going to be having a holy hour on Divine Mercy Sunday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And afterwards, they'll have a social held downstairs with coffee and snacks. They are also praying the Divine Mercy Novena, which starts this Friday on Good Friday at 6.30 p.m. in the church. Um... St. Lucy's in Racine is having a Divine Mercy Holy Hour that starts at 3 p.m. And St. Paul's in Racine is having a Divine Mercy celebration. Uh, We recently got a new image of Divine Mercy for our parish. So we're going to have that venerated during the Holy Hour. We'll have confessions from 1.30 to 2.30, and the Holy Hour will be from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. And this is all on Divine Mercy Sunday, April 28th. Very good. Uh, One other thing I want to talk about, and Veronica just touched on it. If you're a person that wants to prepare for this well, the novena is a wonderful thing to do. And, uh, of course, it starts on Good Friday. No coincidence there, right? It starts on Good Friday and goes through Holy Saturday. 
So most of the octave of Easter is included in that. And it's simple to do. All right, every day you have an intention that you pray for. There's, uh, you know, pray for sinners, pray for the people in purgatory, pray for your priest in there. And you pray the chaplet of divine mercy every day for nine days. And it gets you in the right state, the right state to prepare for this day. So when that holy hour comes on Divine Mercy Sunday, your heart and your soul is prepared and open to the graces that God desires to pour into you. Well, with that, all right, uh, just one other thing. This is your opportunity. This great feast of divine mercy. This is the opportunity that common folk through the centuries would have loved to have. It's been given to us at this time in this era. And when you read the diary, it says there's a reason for that. This is the great mercy before the great judgment. So I ask you, please partake of that. That's all the time we have left today. Thank you for listening to WSFI Spotlight. I am Deacon Eric Sewell. I'm going to close with a blessing. May Almighty God bless you this day and this holy Easter season. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.